Welcome to Bill Bronchick's Real Estate Investing Podcast. Mr. Bronchick is an attorney, best-selling author, and a real estate investor with 25 years' experience. For more information and free articles and videos, visit his website at www.legalwiz.com. We're going to discuss 11 tax-saving strategies for real estate investors. Now, when I talk about taxes, usually people's eyes glaze over because it's not the sexiest topic like buying houses with no money down or stealing foreclosures, but really this is the easiest way to put more money in your pocket without working any harder, just working smarter. And if you want to look at it from the standpoint of how can I give less money to a government that spends it irresponsibly and keep it in my bank account, I think it gets a little sexier that way, if you think of it that way. Because uh, everybody knows the government wastes money, and uh, who's paying for all that waste? Well, it's those of us who make money and are taxed on it. So, assuming you're on the page with me, that uh, even Bernie Sanders, when they asked him during the debate, they said, well, you know, if you, you're making a million dollars, if... Um, if you feel that uh, the rich should be paying more, why don't you voluntarily pay more of your money to taxes? And he just kind of scoffed at that, like, don't be ridiculous. Uh, that was very interesting. So even someone like that doesn't want to pay too much taxes. Everybody wants to keep their taxes to a minimum. And you have an obligation as an American citizen, as a patriot, to pay as little in taxes as you possibly can legally and ethically. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Okay, so... Number one tax saving strategies is holding properties for more than a year. So if you own something for less than a year and sell it for a profit, it's taxed at normal income rates, which is up in the 30s. Uh, that applies to flipping, um, real estate, or anything pretty much, day trading, <laughs> flipping cars, um, anything that involves buying low and selling high within a year. But if you hold a property more than a year, um, then you get capital gains treatment, for which most Americans is 15%, and it caps out if you're in a high tax bracket at 20%, as opposed to in the mid to high 30s. So that's significant. If you buy properties and immediately fix and resell them, you're taxed at ordinary rates. Uh, also, if you're doing them on your personal return, you're subject to self-employment tax um, at 15.3% in addition to uh, paying um, income tax on those earnings. So it would behoove you to buy, fix, rent, then sell, or buy, fix, lease with option, and then the, the tenant can't exercise the option for at least 12 months. You'll get a much lower uh, rate. And that really, you know, I mean, some people just like buying and flipping and making immediate chunks of cash, but that is a business that makes you a, a real estate dealer. And being a dealer means you, you're you subject to self-employment tax. It means you can't do installment sales, which we'll talk about later. Um, and it's going to really hit you pretty hard in taxes if you want to get that chunk of gold right away. If you're patient and wait a year, uh, that means if you have a hard money loan, you're going to probably have to do a refinance loan with a, with either a 
you know, a permanent loan uh, that you pay off in a year, make sure you have no prepayment penalty, or maybe uh, some sort of hybrid loan. Um, a lot of um, niche lenders now are offering two to three year short term rental loans at reasonable rates, you know, 7%, 8%, as opposed to hard money rates, which are 10 plus. So something to think about, even if you don't cash flow, you know, with an 8% loan, um, if you look at how much you make in equity at the end, and at the lower tax rate, it's, it's still worth it. It's still worth it. Number two is buying and selling properties in a self-directed IRA. And we've talked about this topic before. Buying and selling in an IRA is generally tax-free. However, however, if you buy and flip consistently in an IRA, you could be subject to tax because when a non- uh, taxable entity like an IRA or even a charity engages in business activity, they have to pay what's called UBIT tax, unrelated business income tax, on those earnings. So if you flip a house or two a year, probably going to be okay. If you make a business out of that, flipping six or seven houses a year in your IRA, you're going to get hit with UBIT tax, which is really substantial. Um, so I wouldn't recommend uh, flipping a lot of properties in an IRA. Much better for rentals, and you don't have to hold a year. You can rent the property for six months or just do a flip or two a year in your IRA and don't make a business out of it. Save the money and don't pay taxes. Number three is avoid paying the FICA taxes we talked about before, self-employment tax. If you're, if you're self-employed, meaning you're just an individual, you're filing Schedule C for your flips, which is subject to self-employment tax. If you are a single-member LLC disregarded, you're still reporting Schedule C, self-employment tax. Now, the way to avoid that is to do use an S-corp or a C-corp for flip properties. Even a partnership is subject to the FICA taxes if your activity is dealer properties in that partnership entity. So if it's person A, person B filing a partnership LLC, the pass-through of the nature of the income depends on how it was earned. So if it was flip income, dealer income, then it's subject to FICA taxes for the partners. When you use an S-corp or a C-corp, then you avoid a lot of the, not entirely, but avoid a lot of the FICA taxes, and here's how it works. Um, if you're an S-corporation, it's a pass-through, okay? Now, all the income on a pass-through of an S-corp to the shareholder, being you, would not be subject to self-employment tax. So, it's still subject to, or, to ordinary rates if you do short-term flips, long-term, you know, more than a year is capital gains treatment, but you're not subject on that income to FICA tax, which is a good thing. So you're probably wondering, well, gee, I'll just use an S-corp, flip all my properties all day long, and never pay self-employment or FICA tax. Well, if you do that after a while, the IRS is going to audit you and say, well, somebody's working here, you know, you're you're managing 20 flips a year, you know, that's a job and you should be taking a salary. When you take a salary, what do you pay? FICA tax. So let's say in a year your net income from flipping houses is 100 grand, 
okay now that hundred grand it passes through to your personal return subject to personal rates but no FICA tax if the IRS audits you they're going to want to call all of that earned income and subject it all to FICA tax so to make them happy maybe you take 30 40 50 in salary pay FICA tax on that and let the other remaining profit pass through on your K-1 which is not subject to FICA tax. So you're not eliminating FICA tax altogether, but you're reducing it substantially depending on how much salary you take and how much uh, you take on the pass-through. In a C corporation, there's no pass-through because in C corps, you just pay the corporate rate, which is 21%, which is very, very, very good. It's much lower than the 30 plus um, personal rate so if you flip in c-corp all day long you're only going to pay 21 percent tax and no self-employment tax um the irs is not that much concerned with you taking a salary in 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 uh, that type of scenario but the question is how do you get the money out okay if you need to live on that money you got to either take a dividend which taxes you twice or you got to take a salary which is subject to FICA tax so with a c-corp what i would recommend is you take enough salary that you need to spend to live on pay FICA tax and the rest just 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 keep it in the company for future deals if you need all the money you make to spend then you would have to take all of it as salary and then there's no point in it you might as well do an s-corp and then do it that way. Number four, live in the property for two years. If you live in a property at least two of the last five years, that means you could live for two years and then sell, or live for two years rented for three and then sell, the first $250,000 of capital gains is tax-free. If you're married, it's $500,000. Of course, you may not want to be in a constant working, you know, and fixing up your property and selling every two years. But, you know, if you're an empty nester, it's not the stupidest thing in the world to do is to live in a property that you bought cheap, fix it up, live for two years, make a quarter million dollars tax free or half a million tax free and then move on to the next property. Not the worst idea in the world. Number five deferring taxes this isn't a tax-free scenario but it can be uh, with a 1031 exchange a 1031 exchange allows you to defer defer indefinitely paying taxes by selling a property and then buying an, a replacement property of equal or greater value and what you do is you roll your taxable gain from the first property into the second property so when you sell the second property you pay gains tax on both the first and the second property or if we do it three times on three properties but but if you keep it forever and never sell then you're never going to pay the gain on it and if you die as we'll talk about earlier one of the best things you wipe it clean up to the limit of the uh, estate tax exclusion and you wipe out any depreciation recapture as well so if you buy and keep buying and exchanging and never sell and cash out if you need cash then we're going to do the next um the next ta tactic which is to borrow money instead of selling to get money so 
let's say you have a property that you bought for a hundred, rented it out for a couple of years. Now you're going to sell it for two hundred because it's appreciated from either market appreciation or or from improvements. Now you got a hundred thousand dollar gain. Um, you want to do an exchange and roll it into a three hundred thousand dollar property, but you need some money. So before you sell the property, refinance it, get maybe fifty grand out in borrowed money, and then do the exchange. And that borrowed money is never taxable. Okay. Now remember, if you sell the property later, you're paying tax on the full amount, not just the net proceeds, because it goes by what you bought it for versus what you sell it for, not what you receive as net proceeds, because if you borrow, your net proceeds will be less, but your actual gain is more. Okay, but if you're not gonna if you're not gonna ever sell, just keep exchanging and before you do your exchange each time or every two or three times, depending on the on the timing, um, you could borrow money out and then that is not taxable income. The next one, number seven, do an installment sale. Okay. So if you have a property that you bought for, let's say, cash, uh, rented it out to a tenant for years, and now you want to sell it. Well, you're going to have a big fat capital gain to pay in that year. Instead, sell it to the tenant or maybe to another investor on an installment sale. What's an installment sale? It's just an owner carry where you take a down payment and carry the rest in the form of a note with interest. Now, since you haven't received, I mean, the, the down payment is taxable as, as capital gain, but the rest of it is deferred as you receive it. So over 30 years, you're going to receive your principal back, and as you receive it in little bits every year, you'll pay capital gains spread over 30 years instead of due all at once. Now, the interest, if you charge interest, is taxable as, uh, uh, as uh, interest income, but the principal portion is spread over a 30-year period. If the buyer refinances, let's say at year five, then they're going to pay you off and you'll have to pay the rest of the profit in that year. But remember, if you're a dealer, you can't do installment sales, as I said earlier. So if you buy and flip, buy and flip, and then in the third one you say, okay, in this next one I'm going to buy it, fix it, and sell it on owner carry terms, and on installment sale, you can't do that because dealer property is not um, eligible for installment sales. The next thing, which is really applies to any business, uh, is taking advantage of every expense that you can. So, for example, on, on real estate, you can do mortgage interest, insurance. Now, mortgage interest is not subject to the SALT SALT tax. That's the the new tax under the uh, tax plan under the Tax Cut and Jobs Act, tr Trump's thing, where you're limited to ten thousand dollars a year in deductions. That's only on your personal residence. On a real estate uh, investment property, you can deduct all the interest you want as you pay it. Insurance, property taxes as well. There's no limit on that. Maintenance, property management, advertising, marketing, software, computers, cell phones, legal fees, uh, accounting fees, closing costs. Uh, you might even do a home office, which I don't recommend you do as a Schedule C, but rather have your corporation or LLC lease the office from you 
in your home under a lease agreement and then the company deducts it as office expense and you receive it as rent which is less of a red flag than just claiming a self-employed home office um travel and mileage people don't realize if you drive your car from property to property you should log that because you can reimburse yourself tax-free out of your company for mileage or take an expense for mileage it's 50 something cents i don't remember what it is exactly it's like 55 cents a mile and if you go to your properties once a month that could add up and be a nice chunk of change that you can deduct um and then of course depreciation you know you're required to take depreciation it's not an an optional thing but it's a good idea to do that it's a good idea to have depreciation you have to take it now you have to pay it back when you sell you recapture it but if you 1031 then you defer it okay or if you die it wipes it clean now another thing along those lines in terms of deductions is if you have nothing but rental properties let's say you have 10 rental properties in an llc you could take a lot of expenses related to the property management and the properties themselves but there's certain like general business expenses that don't fit neatly on a property return so if you've got let's say an llc and you're reporting on your schedule e for rental property or you do have a partnership return you're reporting on a schedule k there's no place to deduct something like um a trip somewhere where you're going to quote scout out properties in miami <laughs> for a quote deductible vacation if you know what i mean um because scouting out to buy new properties is not really a business deduction that you can deduct on your existing properties because it's not your existing properties is not really a business it's an investment so forming a corporation s or c doesn't matter as a property management firm that manages your properties can be very helpful and here's how it works let's say you have um uh, 10 properties and you're netting 500 a month each so that's five thousand dollars a month or sixty thousand dollars a year okay if you set up a property management company the property management company can take 10 percent of the gross rent so 10 percent of a hundred thousand in rent would be 10 grand a year so instead of netting 60 a year you're netting 50 a year so that's less taxes on the rental income okay now you've got ten thousand dollars trapped in the property management company what do you do with that because that's gonna if it's an s-corp it's gonna pass through anyway to your tax return well you expense those trips or other quote general business expenses that don't fit neatly on a property schedule and they and you try to zero it out the best you can and once you've done that now you've reduced your overall tax burden now the next one would apply to this as well uh it parlays nicely and and that's the 20 percent pass-through deduction under the tax and job tax cuts and jobs act of 2017 and what it does is it allows you to deduct 20 percent of your net business income okay now in that s corp property management company you that the first 20 percent of that 10 grand in net income is is wiped out and then you just got to expense the rest okay now 
there's some catches to it depending on how much you make and you know what type of entity what type of business but you should review that with your accountant but if you're doing primarily rentals and you don't have an s corp or c corp the property management fee is a good way to go especially with the 20 percent deduction under the tax cuts and jobs act number 10 accelerated depreciation now, normally when you buy a property, it's separated for tax purposes into structure and land. The structure is depreciated, the land is not. So if you buy a, let's say, a $100,000 property, you got to figure out, well, how much is improvement and how much is land? And let's say it's 80% improvement, 20% land. So you have got $80,000 of structure that depreciates and it may actually go up in value but for tax purposes you can depreciate that over a 27 and a half year schedule so you get you know one approximately it's not it's not exactly 127th but you know give or take it's approximately 127th of the $80,000 value a year which is you know, a couple of grand a year against your income okay what you can do is componentize your improvements so certain things like appliances and carpet are that are replaceable uh, depreciate over a five to seven year schedule which is faster than 27 and a half which gives you bigger deduction front loaded in the first five to seven years of owning your rental bad news is if you sell that property in three to five years you're gonna to have to pay that depreciation you just took back so this is only for properties you plan on exchanging or keeping for a long time and finally the last one is die that's the ultimate screw the government if you die owning real estate your original basis your acquisition cost disappears because it steps your value of your properties up to market value at the time of your death. So your heirs, if they were dumb enough, I hope they're not dumb enough to just sell all the properties and get the cash, hope they keep them. But if they do sell them all, if their basis is market value and they sell them a day later for that same amount, there's no gain. And it also wipes out all the depreciation as well that you accumulated, especially if you did exchanges. Okay, so let's use an example. Let's say that you bought a property, a uh, bunch of property from, you know, worth a million five, okay? And over 30 years, it appreciates to nine million. Well, that's a lot of tax, a lot of capital gains. It's going to step up to market value when you die, but the first 11 million and change as a couple is tax free under the federal state tax rules you may have state a state tax depending on what state you live in like california or new york which is a, not a big number but it's something but under federal tax rules it's tax free because everything stepped up from a million five to nine million at your death which was within the 11 million dollar exclusion and all the depreciation is wiped clean and your kids could either start over as rentals or and start depreciating them all over again or sell them and uh you know pocket the money so those are 11 crafty legal ethical ways to save money as a real estate investor and i hope you employ you know at least four of those that i talked about maybe more maybe all of them hopefully and meet with your tax advisor or cpa 
and start employing this stuff. You know, the worst time you can ask for tax advice is April 14th for the prior year. There's not much a CPA can do on April 14th, but if you meet with your CPA in the beginning of the year and plan out for the year ahead, then you're acting really smart, being proactive and figuring out how you can reduce your burden going ahead. You know, plan positively. Assume that you're going to make a lot of money and plan for it. And even if the hourly cost of consulting with the CPA is, you know, several hundred dollars, even if you don't make money, well, okay, you lost a few hundred dollars in consulting fees. But on the upside, you could have saved tens of thousands of dollars in unnecessary tax. So be proactive as a small business owner slash real estate investor entrepreneur and make sure that you plan for paying the least amount of taxes because that just puts more money in your pocket without working really any harder information and free articles and videos visit his website at www.legalwiz.com